to get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man, you know. Like a, like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. And with The Godfather, we bring you in to a Monday edition of Puck and Gas from the Carter Volkswagen Studio. I hope everyone enjoyed the fine weekend uh, that was. Boy, it's toasty. It is hot and it's nice. And God, I hope this stays the entire time. Because I'd like, I love summer. I think uh, I think up, summer is here. I hope it stays. I think up to and including everyone except Robinson Cano had a... Oh. How, how could you not have a good week? But oh a, my God. What a bummer. Of, well, there's the two big stories. The bummer of the weekend are mm-hmm. one, Robinson Cano breaking his hand. Right. Got, you know, how long he's going to be out for now. I mean, obviously it's an extended period of time, which just puts a damper on the whole season yeah. right now. It, and then, of course, legendary uh, Seahawks coach Chuck Knox passing away yesterday at the age of 86. Who we're going to have uh, Claire Farns with on next segment. Uh, Claire, longtime Seahawks reporter for the PI, then went over to Seahawks.com. And then Eugene Robinson, who was a rookie in 85. Eugene, uh, now working for the Carolina Panthers, will join us at 1130. So two great perspectives on the life of Chuck Knox. Eugene Robinson, I've always felt uh, it, that old axiom that the smartest, best-looking Guys in the world were born on May 28th. I've just always felt that, uh, and and I will ask him if he thinks yeah, that or not. You share I've a birthday with Eugene on May 28th. Uh, Jerry West, Gladys Knight, wow. John Fogarty. What a big deal! A lot of handsome, good-looking, I'd, talented I'd like people. To Gladys get... Knight's pips born on a different day. Yeah, well, because they were the pips. I'll I'll throw a shout out to uh, shout out to uh, nine-year-old Beast Mode. It's her birthday today. In fact, oh, hey. in about uh, an hour and 16 minutes, mm-hmm. she will officially be nine years old. Wow, so it was a morning arrival. It was a morning arrival. What, uh, what do you remember about that day? Were, were uh, you your first one? Were you panic-stricken? Were you a, a lunatic oh, dad, or were scared. you okay? Yeah, no, lunatic. So like Waterfalls, getting to the hospital and then yeah. just crazy oh, stuff. Oh, she was in labor for like, a, I think, a... I don't know, ten hours before they finally yeah. they tried to induce her. That wouldn't work. Nothing. So yeah. they had to go. They had to go. And that's got to be nerve section. That's well, got to be nerve I will remember the the highlight of early that morning. Saying, "Listen, mm-hmm. this 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 kid doesn't want to come out. We've tried everything. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's just kind of my daughter in a nutshell. She yeah, doesn't right. like to do what you tell her to do. Right. And so they're like, you need to find something. We're up in Capitol Hill, right? Yeah, up the the hospital there. She goes. The doctor was like, you need to find something spicy and walk around. So I remember, it's like, I don't know. That's the doctor's That's advice? That's what they said. Like, find something uh, spicy and take a walk? Find something spicy. This was actually, I think, the day, <laughs> bef- the day before. And so there was a Mexican restaurant up there, uh, you know, up, up, you know, up there on the, on the, uh, on the main drag up there. I don't even, I, it's probably still there. I have no idea. But Please tell me you're on your own. You're not taking her with you to the Mexican restaurant. Yes. No, she is. The day this before. Take, yeah. take her and yeah, they wanted her because they needed the, the baby to drop. They needed my daughter to drop. And this and is after drop. they've been waiting for a while? Oh, it's, they had wow. waited a few it's, hours. And your it just wife's wasn't. a hero. Yeah, so we did it. That didn't work. And then, yeah, finally, it came out. 11-16. So 11-16. Wow. What day uh, of the week? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, was it a weekday? Was it a weekend? Uh, I think it was a Thursday, if I remember. I was. I always thought I when, a I, Thursday. when I was a kid, I remember thinking, you know, I was born on a Saturday afternoon at like one thirty in the afternoon. I'm like, what a what a conscientious kid to get born, you know. <laughs> and then I got older, and I realized, you know, my dad had to leave some golf tournament or auto yeah, race or something that he was watching that he was probably enjoying. Yeah. Yeah. He had to get up and come be a part of this nonsense. Well, so. a blessing, the most beautiful thing I've sure. ever seen. She uh, she came out. It was it was, it was wonderful. Uh, she'll be nine. Nine today. Nine How about nine that? Well, happy birthday! Old. Unbelievable. Well, nine going on 17. Mar- 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 Marnie? 
Maria. Maria, because I had Janoris Beastmo, which I'd like to address her by her given name. No, we like to just call her Beastmo, uh, because then no one ever can get her real name correct. When Good they, for her. What's my name? Marja? No, well, that's just... Dad Dad and Mom just like to make uh, things difficult. On Ma'am. Sorry, the Nickerson Street Saloon on, on, on Saturday. Yes. She once again said that I'm not an adult. Yeah, that she's got a running joke with Jackson that, yeah. he, that he, Jackson's not an adult yet. Right, right. For some reason. He's drinking know. beer. Uh, a lot yeah. of beer. And then my, and then my son has, been pick, has picked up on that as well. Why? I don't know. Uh, I did not do any of this. This, you know, is, this is them. Drinking beer doesn't make you an adult. Jason. Sure it does. No, it does not. It, 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 <laughs> it, you know, it just means you drink beer. <laughs> uh, but that was a great day. Sat, let me just do that. Uh, looked like Before it. we get into you know, Cano and then, and then Knox, the, the great people at the Nickerson Street Saloon, uh, Georgetown, uh, Vanessa also at Ronald McDonald House on Saturday. The place was packed. It was a great day. You know, it's... You know, weather can always kind of be fickle this time of year, but it was gorgeous. It was like 75, a perfect day to spend outside drinking beer for an amazing cause. And I know they raised a bunch of money. I know we raised, we sold two in-studio visits uh, with Cliff, and I think Walter Jones is thrown in there as well. So for a lot of money, uh, which is going to be really awesome. But uh, the Manny and Roger, Crystal, Matt, uh, everybody associated with Georgetown, and then uh, the two Chris's. Uh, at uh, Nickerson Street Saloon. Big thanks to all of those people, and and also Vanessa, the Ronald McDonald House. We raised a lot of money for a great cause. That's great. We had fun there Friday. I know that yeah. was a kind of a I don't know a bucket list item, but you got that's a, one of your favorite bars. You oh, it was awesome. You got to do a show finally at the Nickerson Street Saloon. I wish I could have. Uh, what I was doing uh, Saturday instead of going to the Nickerson and having drinks with Jackson was uh, I was cleaning out the garage, so I know who the loser is in that equation, <laughs> oh, my friends. Nothing worse than cleaning out the garage. First time in 10 years that oh, we took everything out awful. and cleaned it and, and, and kind of straightened it out. And it's a drag because, you know, what are you going to do? Say, hey, look at my garage, you know. It's... But do you, like, when I do that stuff, I start to, I, I go down there after I do it. I did it probably like three weeks ago, cleaned it all out, mm-hmm, re- mm-hmm. Re- rearranged everything. Yeah. And then I'll just sit down there. I am well, I am the biggest nerd. I'll su- I sat down there with a beer, and I just looked at it for I, like 20 minutes. I enjoyed leaving <laughs> this morning. I enjoyed getting the car going, God, look at how neat this garage oh, is. Look at all the crap we got such, rid of. It's such a guy thing. Do you do that yeah. after you mow the lawn? I do that after I mow I the lawn. I love after I, just, I mow the lawn. I just I, sit there with yeah. my arms crossed going, yep, yeah. that's what I did. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Dork. Fantastic. All right, so, uh, yeah, certainly some bad news, sad news over the weekend. One with Chuck Knox uh, passing away at the age of 86. We'll get more into that coming up in our next segment with Claire Farns. With Then just bad news with Robinson Cano. I mean, yeah. this team is rolling. It's playing good baseball. And all you've ever have wanted or wished for is just avoid kind of the, the – the, well, it's not catastrophic. Right. Avoid the injury. The Especially injury. to him. Yeah. He's such the straw, and it's become evident when he's out of the lineup, they're a different team. But I, I want to say this. I am here to tell you, now, until we know for sure how long he's going to be out, because there's a lot of kind of speculation, hey, this may be four to six weeks, which is not good. However, I'm here to tell you, I think they can survive this if it's a four to six week thing. I really do. I think I'm, I'm not, it doesn't make them better, but I think they can come out of it and still be in the running to do what they want to do. Now, if it's the rest of the season, yeah. I may want to revamp that prediction a bit because you got to give a team some hope. They've got to have some feeling that he's coming back. I think they're strong enough. What I've seen in the first six weeks of yeah. the season, I think they're strong enough. A year ago, I, there's no way. This would have been, oh, it's a disaster. But the schedule plays to their favor. They're at home a lot. Mm-hmm. They might be able to to work their way through this thing as long as it's not well he's out for well, you think, know 16 would weeks. Would we agree? I mean the saving grace now he's a huge part of this though. The saving grace is their offense can score. 
Right. And you know, can now now can they weather it with him not being in the lineup? Well, I don't know. We'll we'll find out. They but they do. I think what's on their side, they have plenty of offense with him being out still. Right. And they're still good enough offensively to get past him. Now it's just. Will some of the other warts on the team now start to to shine a little bit more? Sure. The bull Nicasio can't do anything right now. Right, right, I mean, yeah. That he's, is, he's, I'm more concerned with him right now because I'm I'm trying to be optimistic about Cano getting back. Oh yeah, Nicasio, that that thing's a, a train wreck right now. Yeah. And you paid him seventeen million dollars to be a lockdown eight, eighth inning guy, and he's he hasn't been able to do that. And then your starters, it's still going to be, you know, an issue with your starters of guys not going deeper into games, right. get, getting consistently week in and week or day in and day out, yeah. a great quality start. These now, are I mean, things that can wear you out over yeah. the course of a long stretch. Because well, you don't, I mean, how much? You know, it's a lot to ask an offense to continue to deliver for you night in and night out and right. give you five, six runs yeah. to make up for your bullpen woes or a starter, you know, giving up three, four runs in five, six innings. You know, it's hard to kind of get past that stuff. So. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think offensively they can be okay if it's only for, you know, if it's a four week injury, okay. But if it goes on longer than that, that's just a bummer for Cano. You know, I was looking this up. I mean, he you want to talk about staying healthy? Yeah, he has missed. I think the longest, the most games he ever missed. He never missed more than twelve games in a season since 2006 with the Yankees. Mm. That's amazing. I, I think that, and I think it is going to. They are going to get good news on the amount of right. time. If it's the if it's a broken pinky, it should be about four to six weeks. Right. I mean, you look you look at some other guys that has not. I don't know, maybe something worse. Maybe when the X ray at the oh god, it's worse than we feared or whatever. Yeah. Who knows? But I'm telling you, even if it's up to six weeks, I don't have a magic number here. But if you get him back right before the All Star break, I don't see them completely no. coming unraveled without him, as I would have. Maybe a year ago, or maybe even at the start of this year, before we saw what we were seeing offensively. You know, this team's already played a month without a real good catcher, and found a way to get through it. They, so they I, navigated the waters without Cruz for a while, but they yeah. they have been able to avoid this injury, right? You know, something like this. I mean, Greg Johns has this known, just talking about what an Iron Man that Robinson Cano is. He's been only on been on the disabled list twice in fourteen years. He's missed just thirty eight. Of one thousand eight hundred and twenty-one games since the start of two thousand seven, that's amazing. That is unbelievable. And 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 for a guy who plays, you know, again, you know, plays every day, plays hard every. You know, there's oh. things that people, you know, he, he doesn't run as fast. Well, yeah, so what? You know, there's there's the watch him in the field. Has he lost a step in the field? I, I don't know. Other people claim he has, and they look at the things. That, now I'm not disputing that. Right. I'm just saying, and that's the area that concerns me more. Offensively, I think they'll be fine. I think they can get by for a few weeks without this guy. Yeah. Defensively is where you go, geez, are they going to have, you know, is, is that become a, a sieve, or do they have guys that can play a position? And I, and and I like the decision because I knew, you know, immediately the response was, right. well, you got D. Gordon. Well, right. But I like their decision what they've said no. Because I think it's smart. And this guy is still learning that position in center field, that I wouldn't make the transition to put him back at second base because he's just he's still learning and he's still trying to get comfortable playing in center field. So keeping him in center field, I mean, it's a wise move on their part. You don't want to weaken two positions. Yeah. And to a certain extent, you you could argue, well, you're actually getting, you know, D is a good second base. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, stick with your plan and keep him there. You've got other guys that can come up and help you and and do that. And and again, we'll know more. It, it, it's goofy. So they, they so they flew from Detroit to Minneapolis. Now he's going back to Philadelphia to see a special. Yeah. Or Why is the hand specialist or any specialist always in like a weird? Not not, not that Philadelphia is a weird yeah. city. Why are they always in? 
Philadelphia. I know or, a hand guy here in town. Yeah, a friend or, of mine's a hand guy. I'm like, yeah, we have him. Look at him. The Tommy, the James Andrews guy. Where's Birmingham. He? He's in Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, Richard Sherman. You know Richard Sherman? I think it was in Green Bay. It wouldn't have surprised you if Richard Sherman was at Pluto. Yeah, but I just because he travels in his, that, that. His you know. Achilles specialist was in Wisconsin somewhere. Yeah. I think it was in Green Bay. I'm like, That's why nice. of all places is the Achilles specialist? In Green Bay, Wisconsin. You mentioned the schedule. You're right. I mean, and I know they just lost two out of three to a terrible baseball team in Detroit. But with Minnesota and the two at Texas, when they come home, four against Detroit, in which, God, you should win that series. You should have won the series this weekend. It's the first series they've lost this weekend. Uh, Oakland, you got to go down there. You got three, then you come back home with three against Minnesota, and then four against Texas. We talked about this last week. They had a very friendly stretch of schedule yep. coming. This couldn't have come if, if yeah. you're going to have to deal with it. It couldn't have come at a better time. It's early enough that again, this forget everything I'm saying. If they announce tomorrow he's done for the year, then that changes well, everything. Gas fatten up because when June rolls around, holy moly, you better yeah, yeah. you better put some distance in front of because you got the Angels, you got yeah. Houston, you got Boston, you got the Yankees. Uh, uh, all there in June. So you want to build up a uh, nice little comfort zone. Uh, Chuck Knox yesterday, uh, sad news, uh, passed away at the age of 86. A long battle with dementia. Uh, Claire Farnsworth, who, who covered, did the best job of covering him when he was in town for the Seattle PI, uh, later worked for Seahawks.com. He will join uh, Gas and I coming up next to reflect on the life and career of Chuck Knox. Now back to Puckett and the Gas Man on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Entertaining sports talk. You know me, I've been winning pro football games for years. But most people still think my place is on the sidelines. (laughs) That's why I wanted my own TV show. Now every Monday night I can show you what's important on the field and off. Seahawks strategies, player profiles, my picks for next week. And to make sure no one's just sitting on the sidelines, I want you to make the calls. The Chuck Knox Show. Don't go to bed Mondays without it. <laughs> that is an old video from Como TV uh, promoting the Chuck. Remember, they used, everyone had a show. The oh, Chuck yeah. Knox Show yeah. right after Monday Night Football. And the best part about that was, I'm going to make my picks. <laughs> Can you imagine Pete Carroll doing a TV show? I'm going to pick against the spread this week. That sounds like something he said but didn't do. That sounds like something was in no. the promo copy. Did he made, pick games? Yes. He, I, he now, I can't games. remember. Maybe maybe Claire will remember. He, I can't remember if he did the spread, but I think he just picked games who he thought was going to win this week. Hell. But name me the coach, and he would even do that now. That is a, that is a great piece of audio. Don't uh, go to bed without uh, it. Long-time <laughs> uh, Seahawks reporter Claire Farnsworth. A gentleman who covered the team uh, for a very long time, back for the Seattle uh, PI, and then later for Seahawks.com. The man who no one looks better in a visor and then slash Tevas than Claire Farnsworth. He's wearing them right now. And That's he's, all he's got on. And he joins us on the uh, the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. Claire, it has been far too long. It's great to catch up with you. I wish we were catching up on better circumstances, but how are you? I'm great. I'm uh, I'm really glad that they were finally able to get you two guys on the air together. Oh, uh, Jason, nothing per- personal against you, but <laughs> does anybody tell better stories than Mike Gassino? Wow, oh, that coming from well, you. I, that's... I used to think that when I would listen to you back in the day, Mike, it was just like, okay, th- this guy can tell a story. <laughs> well, we, thank, I appreciate it. We have a fan, and that's nice to know now that we, we can build on this. Yes. We can build on you know, Puck mentions that uh, it would have been nice to to not have these circumstances. On the other hand, and it's a shame that 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 Chuck, you know, the dementia thing, man, does that's that's the worst of them all. I think they're all bad, but boy, that's when you lose your mind. Mm. 
But what a life this guy had, Claire. You know, on the one hand, it's sad that he's gone, but geez, he filled his life with stuff. Yeah, he, he really did. The last time I saw him was the week of the Super Bowl and that the Seahawks should have won in Arizona. Remember that? That game, that play, yeah. um, he, he, you know, he, he's been in pretty bad shape for a while, and uh, you know, the dementia had really gotten bad. I, I talked to him actually quite a bit, and I'm not sure he remembered who I was, and, I, and I'm sure he didn't remember talking to me because everybody was coming up and talking to him. But uh, yeah, he was, you know, I, if if you have a chance, if you haven't already, um, years ago, Ch- uh, Bill Plaschke, who was then you know, working at the Seattle PI and now works at the, the LA Times, wrote uh, Hard Knocks, the, the definitive Chuck Knox biography. And uh, if you can get your hands on that, and I always tell people, just read the, the early life stuff. Once he kind of got into the NFL, it was like, okay, whatever. But the, the stuff about you know growing up in Swickley and his dad, and I mean, it really gives you a good feel for who Chuck was and, and why he was was the way he was, which was uh, oftentimes very frustrating for those who were trying to cover him, but also oftentimes very delightful and delighting. Well, again, Claire, and again, Claire Farnsworth, longtime Seahawks reporter of the Seattle PI, and then also with Seahawks.com. You know, we were explaining that to, to our producer, Jackson, who you spoke to uh, earlier, is that he, and Jackson's 26 years old. I mean, he knows, obviously, <laughs> who Chuck Knox is, but he, we were talking in the sports pit, uh, all three of us, and he was like, well, what was he like? And and explaining to Jackson, you know, what Chuck was like. And, and I just said, you know, he's from Pennsylvania. It's blue collar. It's steel work town. It's just, you take your lunch pail to work. I mean, he was, and then gas, you know, said it perfectly. He was as, as old school as they come when it comes to football. Yeah. He coached old school. And I, and also you need to point out before he became a head coach, and three-time NFL Coach of the Year with the Los Angeles Rams, the Buffalo Bills, and the Seahawks. Um, this guy was an offensive line coach. So that gives you a little bit of the, the mentality that went into it as well. And, uh, um, you know, many uh, wonderful stories about, you know, just how he related to the players. Um, you know, they they pretty much all loved him. I mean, you know, they, uh, you know what a, a great guy to, to play for. Um, and I, I think because of that, that background, and, he, you know, Chuck was Chuck, and uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, he, that was one of his things, you know, bring your, bring your lunch pail and your hard hat. We're going to put in a good day's work here. And he got here at a critical time, Claire. I, you know, I, yeah. I think it was maybe Larry Stone I read this morning talking about how you know the expansion uh, uh, sheen was starting to fade a little bit. Okay, it's kind of fun. We got a team, but you got to win a little bit. And he came in and just and plugged in and did his thing and got this city. I think the city already cared about pro football, but got them to really care. You got to win to make it special, and that's what he did. Yeah, and they'd had a couple of, you know, the, the Jim Zorn to Steve Largent, you know, that all that excitement of, you know, they had a couple decent teams, you know, early in the expansion period, but then it kind of went downhill in a hurry. Um, and when the owners of the Nordstrom's decided to, uh, fire Jack Patera during the, the two, 19, or the player strike in, in 1990 or 82, um, and Mike McCormick finished out that season, it was like, um, you know, who are they going to bring in? And all of a sudden you bring in Chuck Knox and these guys not only went to the playoffs for the first team, they didn't stop till they got all the way to the AFC Championship game against the Raiders um, at the at the LA Coliseum, and um, the Seahawks had swept the the, the, the Raiders or that season. So it was kind of like you know they always say it's really hard to beat a team three times, and it was excruciatingly difficult uh, for the Seahawks in that championship game. But they got there, and then like the next year. 
they had to play their season opener in 1984 on a Monday afternoon at the Kingdom because of a conflict with, with conflict with the Mariners. Um, so and then Kurt Warner goes out and blows out his knee in the first half, mm. and you're just going, "Oh my God!" Well, you know, here we go. What's going to happen? Well, ground shuck, as his his offense was you know lovingly referred to, turned into air knocks, and Dave Craig started throwing the ball all over the place, and they went 12 and four. I mean, so it's just, yeah, and it's it just the, the stuff that he was able to do, you know. And in his first six seasons, um, they went to the playoffs four times and won three playoff games. And if you go back to the seven years before he got here and the ten after he left, the Seahawks did not appear in the postseason, and they had only three winning seasons. So th- that gives you, I mean, that's, you know, we talked about winning. That's the context right there, that uh, that's what these guys were able to do was was win under him until, you know, we got until his, his shtick wore out and they, you know, eventually moved on after Barry. Uh, you know, bought the team and, and brought in Tom Flores because he loved the, the vertical stretch offense that uh, you know Flores had run with the Raiders. And as you saw, that 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 had passed it. The NFL had passed that by at that point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's weird because I I still think if I'm correct on this, I think I think if with one more win, Carroll will equal wins with Chuck Knox. But I think Chuck is I think still number two all time, right behind Holmgren in terms of. A career wins, and I, you know, listen. There's, there's a lot of fans who are young who just don't remember that. I mean, how? Right. I mean, I remember it. This was, you know, Claire. This was right in my wheelhouse. This is when I fell in love with this team, uh, with sports. It, Chuck Knox was a head coach. I was six years old when in '83. <laughs> it was just that was. I went every Sunday. Was go, we're, uh, we had a truck with a camper on it. We were we were parked underneath the viaduct when you could park underneath the viaduct on the railroad tracks and tailgate. They were and living there actually. We were living, it was humble like, times. Remember when you family. could tailgate anywhere in this city? And you know that was we sat in the three hundred level. I mean, I think you could still smoke up there. I mean, it was out of control. It was, but that 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 was he was the coach of of my generation of falling in love with the Seattle Seahawks, and he there was he was the first guy. He was the first guy to get this thing rolling. I mean, the, yeah, and, how, and when Holmgren took over, yeah. all the stuff that, that that his teams were chasing were stuff that Chuck's team had yeah. done: the twelve and four season, the AFC champ, you know, the conference championship game, la 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 la. And then it's kind of like under Pete Carroll, it's kind of become okay. He's trying to outdo the stuff that not only that Chuck did, but that Mike Holmgren did, and you know, you get. You get you get one Super Bowl championship and you get uh, three feet from a repeat the next year. Um, you know, the, whoever takes over for Pete, uh, you know, when when his tenure's done, uh, you know, good luck to, to trying to match that. He's uh, he's the only guy right to take three different teams to the playoffs and named a coach of the year with three different teams. Nobody's done that, right? Yeah, and and the, and it's it is pretty amazing because you know he he would wear out his welcome in these places and uh, part of the part of it was that's what happened at the end of the Seahawks tenure when when Baring and and Ken Hoffman were the the owners of the team. Chuck got into he fell into this philosophy of you you, you just play to keep the game close and then maybe you can make a play or two at the end to win it. And you know they wanted uh, you know fireworks and you know bells and whistles and all that stuff and and Chuck just you know couldn't allow himself to do that. So that was kind of the end. But yeah, I mean it worked in L. The first time he was there, of course, um, it worked in Buffalo, and then it worked definitely when he came to Seattle. And then the funny thing, his last game as a Seahawks coach was in the Kingdom against the Rams. So in the press box, we're all conjecturing, okay, when the game is over, does Chuck go up the Seahawk tunnel, or does he go up the Ram <laughs> tunnel and just go back to L.A. with those guys? It hadn't been announced, but you knew he was going back there because he had a, a thing with a you know, relationship with Georgia Frontieri who you know w- w- welcomed him back, and they just he never had the kind of success in his second tenure with the Rams that he did in the first. 
Uh, Claire Farnsworth, a longtime Seahawks reporter for the Seattle PI, also Seahawks.com. What was your favorite? I mean, there are so many of them, uh, the Noxisms. I mean, what was the one that just got you every time? Well, the, the one that you heard the most was play the hand you're dealt. And I, I did a piece, a memory piece for Seahawks.com. And I remember talking to Chucky, or, you know, Ch- Chuck Knox Jr., uh, who was a ball boy at camp. And I, you know, Chuck, what, you know, Chucky, what's this like? And he goes, man, he's the same way with me that he is with you guys. I tell him about some problem I'm having at school, and he's going, well, Chucky, you got to play the hand you're dealt. And another one I really liked was the don't tell me how rough the water is, just bring the ship in. Because you, he, that, that started with the players, and it, it, it made its way into the media because people would try to make excuses, which Chuck just hated. And that's when he would uh, tap that ring of his on the wood table that was in the media room and kind of fix those uh, steely blues on you and go, don't tell me how tough the water is, just bring the ship in. All, all things uh, considered, and, and there was crazy ownership going on at the time and not necessarily the best manager, was, was he dealt with fairly at the end? And I'll set this up by saying this. I got here in, in June of 91, and then got started on the air in October of 91, and I remember the talk at that time, Claire, was, well, 9 and 7, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 7 and yep. 9. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> this, this guy, it's time to make a change. And yet now you look at the whole body of work, and obviously on a day like today, you want to be as favorable as possible. I mean, it, it clearly it didn't work out with who they chose, but was it, was it probably time for a change at that point from the Seattle perspective, or should they have kept him? Well, you know, it was funny because there was a, a lot of talk when Holmgren was here. Remember, people wanted to fire him right. after a couple of years. Right. And I always told people, before you get rid of somebody, make sure you've got somebody better to come take their place. Yeah. And in Chuck's case, in Chuck's situation, that wasn't the case. I, I love Tom Flores to death, but they just didn't have a whole lot of luck. And the funny thing was, this the unraveling of this whole thing kind of started with, I'm sure your all-time favorite Seahawks quarterback, Dan McGuire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When they drafted him, <laughs> Chuck didn't want him. Um, you know, normally when you make your first round draft pick, the coach comes down and they talk about it, blah, blah, blah. Chuck did not show up until the very end of the day. And every time he was asked a question, well, if he can do this like they tell me he can, well, if they're right about this and he can do that, well, um, and they play, they, they played him for one half against the Indianapolis Colts and he looked like, you know, the deer in headlights. And when, you know, Chuck benched him at halftime, went away from it. Um, and, and Barron was not happy about this. This, this was the guy that he wanted. And this is another, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, Barron was asked what he liked about Dan McGuire. Um, he liked his agent, who leaned Steinberg, and Steinberg assured them that if they drafted McGuire, that he would be signed and in camp on time because previously a guy named Cortez Kennedy um, was drafted number one. They traded up to the third pick overall to get this guy, and he held out until the Wednesday before the season opener, and basically his rookie season was kind of a wash. So, um, yeah, it, it, it just – the the way the, the the ownership and the Chuck Knox thing just weren't going to work. So whether they he was dealt with fairly, he was dealt with the way that he that they were going to deal with him because he just wasn't going to play the game the way they wanted it played. Uh, Claire Farnsworth joining us here on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, reflecting on the life of uh, life of Chuck Knox, passed away yesterday at the age of eighty six. Led Seattle first division title, playoff win, conference championship appearance, eighty and sixty three in nine seasons. I uh, hear with the Seahawks. You you mentioned it earlier, and, and a lot of people you've seen it. You know, it's written on several different places. You've seen it on social media, Claire. Why was he so popular among among players? Because you know, I I, I just watched him from afar. And if you were you were to say to me as a kid that you know the eight year old sitting up in the three hundred level, he doesn't look like a player's coach to me. He looks like somebody <laughs> who I'd be scared of. I'd pee down my pants. But but when you peel it away. 
it, he was very different with the players from what you saw publicly. Yeah, and I, and the part of it was is that's the inner circle. You know, the, the, those guys had Chuck. Chuck had their respect because he respected them. And if you talk to you know Steve Rabel, Jim Zorn, Steve Large, and all these guys that played for him. You know, Chuck, Chuck treated them like a man, which which they really liked, and there was just no nonsense with him. And you knew where you stood, um, and that's kind of you know w- you know why they liked him so much and why it was there. And uh, yeah, but you're right because I mean, if you uh, you know if you if you looked at him, you would not have probably picked him out to be the guy that had the kind of success he had with three different franchises. He was just honest, I think. I could play. You know, he yeah, rem- he reminds yeah. me a lot, Claire, in, in in a lot of ways, with the one notable exception. And I'm, I want to I want to ask you if if you know, he's I guess has been a borderline Hall of Fame guy. It doesn't look like he's going to get there now, yeah. but but he never won, never had that postseason. He reminds me a little bit of Lou Pinella. Now Lou went on and, and won a World Series with 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 the Reds. Yeah. But they were kind of the same. I mean, Lou was a little more animated and all that. But but the players that I talked to with Lou, that was said he just was honest with you, and he 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 never he never let anything get in the way of that. Yeah, like I said, you always knew where you stood with him. You might not have always liked it, but you knew you know. But there was you knew where it was. There was no ambiguity about it at all. And but, you know, the funny thing about not getting into the Hall of Fame because he he never won the big one. Well, they have that same argument with quarterbacks. And are you going to tell me that? Dan Marino and Warren Moon don't belong in the Hall of Fame because they never won the Super Bowl. And that's kind of how I felt about Chuck that, you know, now, you know, he might get some recognition in that seniors committee now that they, you know, that, that, you know, they have that they can bring these guys in. But in a way, it's too bad that uh, it didn't happen when he was around because I, you know, I, I don't know that there are. Or, you know, I don't know every coach that's ever coached in the league, but the, of the, the long time that I care, covered the team in the league and all the coaches I knew, you know, I don't know of a guy that that gave more of himself, you know, to it and 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 put as much into it as Chuck did. He just, uh, like I said, he he had, he had a special relationship with the players because they were the guys that we were, you know were going to get this done. And we go back to 1987 when they had the players' strike. The Seahawks were one of the last teams to put together a replacement team because Chuck was true to his guys to the bitter end. So they were out signing bouncers and you know bartenders and you know <laughs> construction workers and all this stuff to to try to put a, a team on the field at the at the yeah. last minute because he just held out to the bitter end that he did not want to take that replacement team out there on the field and pass them off as a Seahawk. Hey, who did give us did give us Bruce Matheson though, right? Or not? Was That's it? true. And yeah, Jimmy Teal. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I used to love him. Number eleven, I believe. Hey, Claire, it was great catching up with you. Um, it, it has been far too long. Uh, miss your work and reading it every day, but I'm sure you're enjoying retirement. Yeah, and I—that's uh, another whole uh, avenue. You guys are much too young to have me tell you about what being retired is like. I, I thought this was going to be good, but it's even better than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm like halfway there, and trust me, I am dying to get there. Yeah. Claire, uh, we'll catch up with you, with, with you soon. Thanks so much for coming on. Okay, I really appreciate talking to you guys. I, I, it's really, like you said, the, the circumstances aren't ideal, yeah. but it was nice catching up. Yeah. Thanks, uh, there Claire. he is, uh, Claire Farnsworth, again, a longtime Seahawks reporter uh, for the Seattle PI. We had two newspapers in town. It was wonderful. And God, also, I miss those days. Seahawks.com. Remember, you get the morning in the, was the Times the afternoon one? Yeah, or the yeah. PI, right? And then it became a morning one. Yeah, that, I know. But, and, but, God, but, I love yeah. that afternoon newspaper. Oh, the afternoon paper when was I got awesome. Home from school. Well, and it, 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 it was perfect for doing afternoon radio. Yeah, I was right. like, hey, look, a whole fresh new take on it. Before the interweb, yeah. I remember running into Claire. I, I want to say it was the Saturday Great morning guy. of Super Bowl 40 in Detroit when they'd lose to Pittsburgh and just and and just telling us you know I'm happy for everybody's organization but I'm really happy for you cuz you put in you know, yeah. Claire had put in the time covering and and to a certain extent journalists are like you know whatever I cover the team 
But it's much more fun when you get once in a while a bite at the Big Apple. Sure. Like, let's write a Super Bowl story yeah. and see how that feels. And I, I was happy for him because after after all those guys who had been around for so long, let's uh, let's uh, reflect a little bit more on Chuck Knox and, and his impact really in this market uh, when it came to football because it was him and another guy that I think kind of shaped I think our love and, and fandom and obsession with the sport. Tune in tonight for Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. Rockets Warriors tip off at 6 on your home for the NBA Finals. Seattle Sports Radio 950. KJR. Hi, welcome back. Radio program, Puck and Gas. Uh, Also, special guest Chad Beck is uh, in studio with us. Uh, We're helping uh, helping, uh, him kind of pay off a... A not a bet. This he, is the worst prize well, ever in KJR history. Chad won what our 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 March Madness tournament. He won the tournament. This yeah. is he. How many people entered this thing? Thousands, millions. Right? I don't yeah. know, millions. Certainly thousands. thousands. So his bracket was the best, and for that he wins an hour with no, us. He didn't even win. This. That's right. This he, is a backup. This was, prize. A, this was a backup because. Um, well, he he was taking it with El Gaucho. Then I think there was like a Visa gift card. So all those things were great. And he mm-hmm. he's he's happy as a clam. But he was uh, what part of it was? I think some playoff tickets to the Blazers and, and Calabro and, and Wheels yeah. dropped the ball. Yeah, you two. If your team could win more than zero games in the first uh, round, maybe we could have pulled that off. Wheels. They, what I love is that they call the him story. And say, Tell this. They call it like, hey, can you get down to Portland tonight? Because you know, we've got tickets if you can make Chad, it. Chad, what time did they call you? Give me a, what, like three, three o'clock, three, or yeah, seven three. o'clock. Hey, would you, you might don't worry about JBLM. It's hey. usually light on this do, day. Do you live south of Tacoma by chance? <laughs> can you make it down to a seven o'clock tip? Oh, it's four o'clock. Sure, I'll be right down there. So, but they're going to take care of them next year. We're gonna get, are they going to be playoff tickets or regular tickets? Just get regular. Go to a regular game. A Just lot less, get the Cavs. Tell them I only want the Cavs. And, and Cavs are the Warriors. And the, stay right? in touch with us because we'll yeah. give you some ammo, yeah. literal physical ammo to throw at wheels because yeah. he does his show out on the concourse. Oh, he does. He, thinks he, likes to, he likes to engage with the fans. So uh, so then they said, well, how can we make it up? We'll get you tickets next year. And they said, Dude, what else do you want? And Chad's like, oh, I want an in-studio visit. And then he said, uh, is Softy available? And they said, uh, no, Softy's not available. And they said, is... is uh, is Ian available? No, Ian, Ian doesn't. It doesn't like people. Yeah. And they said, "Is uh, what about uh, Chuck and Buck?" No, it's it's too early in the morning. They don't like people in here. They said, oh, "I I guess it's Puck and Gas." Yeah, that's so fine. That's, that's we're, fine. Hey, we're we're men of the people. Yeah, we are. We don't mind mingling with the great unwashed, yeah, and the great. other guys do. They don't like it at all, and that's fine. That's and it's an arrogant thing, but that's and, cool. <laughs> um, all right. So so when you came to town in ninety one. 92. 91. June of 91, I got here, and it was going to be Chuck Knox's last season. Yeah. I didn't get on the air until October. I, I Chuck Knox didn't ever know me in any yeah. way, shape, or form. I don't know that I ever had him on, because I was low man uh, on the totem pole here. And and so I don't know that I ever had him on to interview him and 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 frankly it was easy to look at it and go geez all these five hundred seasons in you a row it. maybe it's time to make a change I think that it, we kind of didn't get it into we didn't get into it directly I think with Claire but I think growing up and, and watching it, and I think someone wrote about today and I was thinking about like I think it was actually Paul Moyer in one of the pieces it mm-hmm. said had the team never been sold had Ken Baring right. never bought the team mm-hmm. and the way that Ken was and everyone associated with him that. I think uh, Paul said, I, I think he would have been the coach here for, for years to come, that he had such a great relationship with the Nordstroms. And, mm-hmm. and it, you know, Mike McCormick, who was running the squad, too, as well as a GM. But it just kind of when Baring came in, 
it just changed and everything well, yeah. changed and they kind of wanted their own guy and he wasn't their guy and yeah. they just didn't mesh they wanted look, look they definitely Claire alluded to this they yeah. wanted a fast-paced offense that's, that's kind of where and that's where the game was heading yeah you know and Chuck was not that way Chuck was not going to run that I kind think of thing. the brilliance of Knox though was this is that and I remember that I was sitting in the I was sitting in the kingdom I think it was the Browns game when he tore smoking uh, smoking. I'm not. Like I'm not joking you. I, and I don't know if anyone else remembers this. If you're 40, you, I in your my wheelhouse. Correct me. I and maybe I'm crazy. In the 300 level, there used to be a guy that sat by us that would smoke oh, up I'm, there. I'm sure you could smoke. That through, would yeah. during the game would smoke a cigarette. I'm like, I, mean, I don't. I'm. I'm pretty sure you can't do that. But you no could, one would tell him any that you couldn't do it. You could smoke on the concourse when I moved here. Yeah. But he's sitting in a seat. Right, but I mean, it was yeah, still legal right. in the concourse yeah, yeah. as of 91. Sure. I mean, yeah. they had the huge Marlboro Man ad yeah, for was a while. The, the King beers, you know, the, yeah. they were huge, and they were like a dollar. My dad would they would split them with everybody down their row. Mm-hmm. Oh, I God, I miss the Kingdom so much. But um, uh, I think that looking back on his career, and I also think Don James, and I wanted to bring this in because we kind of teased at the end. I, I think the way the culture of football was developed in this city and because remember back in the 80s, it's changed now. Right. We're very blue collar. Mm-hmm. Right. We were. Sure. I mean, that's how we made. That's how look at Boeing it, and everything that airplanes, was, longshoremen, yeah, yes. you know, that kind of lumber. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that there was successful coaches before Don, but before, but they weren't as good as him. Don, Don James yeah. was, was the best coach that has ever put on the hat and his stock the sideline. And it was the timing of it. He was as the yes. TV era was becoming yep. more so people around the country. I, mean, I remember seeing games out all the time. It was always yep. kind of exotic. Well, Seattle did feel trust me, if you lived in the Midwest, Seattle felt like Alaska, the old joke, you know, the I, South Alaska. Yeah, thing. but I think the the merging of those two guys is that, you know, when he when Knox got in business here in what eighty three, mm-hmm. Don had already established himself as a great football coach. There had already been to a Rose Bowl, had already won a Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. But I think with that on Saturdays, always packed and how loud it was over there, the culture that he was building at Washington, the culture then that Knox built in the Kingdom, the Kingdom wasn't as loud until he got there finally. Uh, and then what is it, eighty five when they finally retire the number twelve. Mm-hmm. I think the meeting of those two guys, the way that I think that's important. It's the way they coached the way they played football, mm-hmm. I think it enamored everybody in here in this region because it was about running the ball and it was about playing defense and great special teams. And and acting like you've been there. They yes. weren't flashy. There was no. not yet. And look, Pete's way is a little more flashy. It's funny because Pete's kind of a run the ball guy, but Pete's He's more, more knocks than anything. Yeah, but Pete's more, hey, let's let's you know, let's turn the lights out occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chuck and, and Don were the same way. They were just middle of the road. Let's not get too high. Let's not get too low. Wouldn't you love to have a dinner with those two in like 1988? Yeah. Have spend a night yeah. just sitting because I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm assuming they were, you know, whether they were friends or not because they're both busy, but I'm sure they knew each other and occasionally would cross paths. But they just had the same, it was the same DNA from a, from a little kid who my dad was a, a Husky fan and a, a proud alum that would take me to those games when I was, you know, eight, nine years old. We would spend Saturdays over at Husky Stadium. I would spend Sundays in the Kingdome. And, um, you know, it introduced me to the great spot vetoes on Saturdays where we mm-hmm. would catch the bus that would take us from vetoes over to Husky Stadium and then underneath the viaduct on Sundays. Perfect. What a great way to grow up. What a, It was unbelievable. But to watch football played at the highest levels for those two mm-hmm. teams and those two coaches, I mean, it was, it was the best. I think it's what... 
I think those two guys, those two programs, created the love of football, I think, in this town. And an you know, interesting thing, I'm not sure if this is, but I know that Don had one flirtation with yeah, the Seahawks, and it might have been when they hired Chuck. Because yeah, it was early it. 80s. Yeah. It was early 80s, and Don yeah. said, he also said one time, he listened a little bit, and it didn't go too far, but I, I think it might have been him saying, I'm not interested, that led them to Chuck Knox. Maybe. Eugene Robinson will also reflect on the uh, the career of his head coach coming up at 11.30. But after headlines with the pros pro, Neil Scott, oh, the Supreme Court, 7-2. to I don't know what the line was, 3.5 on this. So I think they covered it. Uh, the Supreme Court finally, finally weighed in today. Gambling shortly. Well, it'll be legal in New Jersey, but it will be legal everywhere else. Big news today in the sports gambling world. We'll talk about that story coming up after Neil's got headlines.